I thought about uh, something, something that was important to me in my childhood. Uh, a movie that is very silly. A movie that uh, you may have seen, you may not have. Uh, it's about 30 years old. It's called Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Uh, yeah, that one. I got one fist pump. Love that. Uh, it's a movie about some just music-loving, uh, simple-minded teenagers who travel through time, meet historical figures so that they can pass a history report. Uh, but the overarching theme of the whole movie is pretty simple. It's broken down into be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. And uh, be excellent to each other is something that has been on my mind a lot lately because of the, the culture that is going on of divisiveness and, and pain and, and anger and hatred, I'm constantly having to check my own heart and my own, my own way of speaking and ask myself, is what I'm saying helpful? How am I, how am I articulating God's love to the people that I just want to scream at? And so <laughs> I was praying on that, and... Um, the Lord kind of laid on my heart a Bible story that's, that's always been near and dear to me. And it's, it's the woman at the well. Uh, it's one that most people are aware of, uh, but I would like to read it for you, or most of it for you, uh, right now. And it's in John chapter 4, verses 1 through 30, if you'd like to join along. It says, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, only his disciples. He left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him I will, will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but they say that you say that in Jerusalem is the place where others ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. 
Your, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now here when, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come and see a man who said to me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming with her. So there's, it's, a, it's a big story, and there's a lot going on. Um, but there's a couple of points that I'd really like to focus on. The first point I'd like to focus on is the journey that Jesus was on. You see, he was leaving to head back to Galilee. And it's interesting because the scriptures say he had to go through Samaria. He had to go through Samaria. And why is this significant? You see, although the road through Samaria was the shortest route from Jerusalem to Galilee, most Jews made, an effort, made every effort to avoid it. They did so because there was a deep distrust and dislike between many of the Jewish people and the Samaritans. Uh, Trey, Trey kind of spoke a bit about this a few weeks back when he talked on uh, the Good Samaritan. He talked about the relationship between uh, the Jews and the Samaritans. Uh, but I'd like to go a little bit more in-depth um, as to the history of this relationship real quick. You see, when the Babylonians conquered the southern kingdom of Judah, they took almost all of the population captive. So, you know, they, they took the population of the area they conquered and absorbed them into their empire. They took almost all the population captive, exiling them to the Babylonian empire. All that they left behind were the lowest classes of society because they did not want these lowly regarded people in Babylonia. These ones left behind intermarried with other non-Jewish people who slowly came into the region, and the Samaritans emerged as an ethnic and religious group. See, because the Samaritans had a historical connection to the people of Israel, their faith was a combination of the commands and rituals of the laws of Moses, put together with various superstitions. And most Jews in Jesus' time despised the Samaritans, disliking them even more than they did the Gentiles, because they had perverted the Jewish faith and made a mutt of it with other regional religions of the time. The hatred between these two groups was so significant, was so powerful, that the Jews would inconvenience themselves by adding days to their journey simply to avoid walking on the Samaritan land. And that's, that's what's significant about the journey. That Jesus had to go through Samaria. Verse 6, Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? So as, as Jesus is sitting at this well, 
a woman approaches to draw water. And it, it's strange because usually uh, the women would have come earlier in the day to draw water, and they usually came in groups. And Jesus asked her for a drink of water, which again is, is strange because Jews do not have anything to do with Samaritans, but also in this day, rabbis uh, were forbidden from speaking with women in public. So this woman would have been truly confused. She probably would have walked up, seen this man sitting by the well, and just assumed that everyone was going to ignore everybody or there was going to be an argument. But instead, Jesus says to her, can you give me a drink? Verse 10, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God who it is that is, and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. So Jesus turns to her saying, if you knew, if you knew who I was, if you knew who it was that was speaking to you and asking you for a drink, you would not question me about how, how I would retrieve this water, but you would be asking me. You would be asking me to give you the living water. And I, I really love what the woman responds with because it's kind of funny. She says, you say you're going to give me water, but you didn't bring anything to draw the water with, and the well is deep. You know, he seems ill-prepared for the task in which he's, he's asking. But Jesus isn't talking about normal water. He isn't talking about that which we drink, and then 20 minutes later we need another one. You know, where they were was pretty hot. So people would have to draw water, drink it, the next morning get more because they would be thirsty again. And what Jesus is saying is, I offer living water. A water that will quench the thirst of any, any desire that you need, that you have. Because when you drink of it, no longer will the world appeal to you. No longer will you need to seek this water, which will leave you thirsty. Because I will give you water everlasting, life everlasting, a life of eternal salvation. And this woman gets so excited that she basically says, please give me this water. You know, one, I don't want to be thirsty, and two, I really don't want to have to make the trek up here again. And Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. So this woman, we learn, has a questionable past for the time. She's had five husbands, and the man that she is with now is not her husband. So she would have been, this kind of gives us a glimpse into why she may have been at the well at this time. She's probably an outsider in her society. And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. 
Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. So Jesus speaks to this woman that he's never met and says, I I know your transgressions. I know all that you have done, and I know what you are in. And then he reveals himself as the Messiah, as the Christ to the Samaritan woman. Just then his disciples came back, and they marveled that he was talking to a woman. But no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town, and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of town and were coming to him. So the disciples arrive. They see this scene. They're well versed in knowing that, one, we shouldn't be in Samaria. Two, he should not be talking to a Samaritan. And three, he shouldn't be talking to a woman as a rabbi. So they're clearly confused and caught up in the situation. But they're wise enough to know not to say anything. Um, which is probably good. And then the woman is so amazed with what had just happened, what Jesus said to her, revealed himself as the Messiah, that she leaves her watering jar, the the whole reason she came up. Probably one of the most important things that she owns. She just leaves it there, runs into town to tell her people about Jesus. So having looked at this story, there, there is a point that I would like to make. See, the Jews hated the Samaritans. And I'm not talking like a playful hatred like I have when I say I hate the New York Yankees, the Houston Astros. Um, It is a sincere, raw, and powerful hatred that caused the Jews to go out of their way to avoid the Samaritans, to avoid talking with them, to avoid setting foot in their land, They would add days to their journey just to avoid walking on the tainted ground of Samaria. You see, the Samaritans were were the leftovers of a conquered people. The ones left behind because they had no value to add to the empire. They were a culture of misfits and outcasts. The people most would like to forget. Then we meet this woman. A woman who who has made questionable choices. A person of poor reputation and an outcast of her own society. This woman had to fetch water later in the day and alone to avoid the harsh, judgmental, and hurtful glares and words of her neighbors. She, in essence, was the outcast of the outcast. She is the member best forgotten in a society of forgotten people. She is the person that is hated most of all. She is also the reason that Jesus needed 
to go through Samaria. You see, Jesus knew the issues between the cultures. He knew the religious norms of the day that he should not be speaking with a woman. And he knew about this woman's past. He knew all of this, and still he chose to go to this well and meet this woman. This outcast of the outcasts. This forgotten person. This unworthy misfit. And why would he do this? Because this woman is a beloved daughter of the Heavenly Father. She is unwanted by her own people, but desired, loved, and chosen by God. She is a forgotten member of a people best forgotten, but she is a cherished child of the Father. She is the one whom Jesus chose to use to bring his good news to the people of Samaria. A people once forgotten and written off, now chosen and desired by God. I cannot tell you how many times in my own life that I have felt unwanted, forgotten, and unnecessary. The number of times that I truly believed that this world and, myself, and the people that I love would be better off if, if I just left. I was an outsider, undesired by society, until I learned I was chosen by God. And loved by Jesus. A man saved by a father who pulled me from despair until he brought me into his glorious light and showed me his unrelenting love for me. If you can hear me today, I want you to hear this and know this that you are so deeply and truly loved by the Father, the Father who never forgets you, who will never leave you and who chooses you each and every day. The one who created you and stands by you is waiting with open arms. He is desperately waiting for you, calling you and running after you. You are not forgotten. You are not worthless. You are not too far gone. And you are not unwanted. You are loved, valued, and chosen. And you are welcomed into eternity when you turn and embrace the Father who waits for you. Just like me. Just like the woman. Just like every person who calls on the name of Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. And do you know who else this love is meant for? This is the part that I'm preaching to myself. This love is meant for everyone. Unfortunately, the hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans is not something that is unfamiliar to us today. I see a similar hatred every time I turn on any news channel, anytime I see any Facebook post, pretty much, anytime I hear a conversation between two people of opposing views. This, this hatred permeates our society and our world from all directions. There's, a, there's another story that I'd like to talk about briefly. And it's the story of the Last Supper. Jesus is gathered with all of his disciples. And in an act of servant leadership, of love and mercy, he decides that he is going to kneel down and wash his disciples' feet. Uh, an, act, an act of servant leadership that, that it should be an example for all of us. A beautiful depiction a terrifying visual of the creator of 
everything that we know, everything that's ever been, and he's kneeling before you to wash your feet. And not just, not just the disciples that loved him, but Judas as well. The one who sold him away. The one who betrayed him. Jesus washed his feet as well. How did Jesus interact with those who opposed them? him? He loved first. He recognized their humanity and their importance to the Father in heaven. He then let the Spirit of God do the work. Two, two pieces of advice I got when I, when I started ministry. One, your job is planting seeds. Very rarely will you see the fruit. Super true. The second is you can't change hearts. Only the Holy Spirit can. So be an example of what a changed heart looks like. An exercise I do with the kids um, pretty regularly I'd like to, to offer up to you guys. And it's, it's a fill in the blank. I've done it before. Um, but I would like you to, to just think about this honestly. Because if, if you do, like me, I feel like you'll find that your mind kind of auto-fills that blank, kind of like your phone would. The first statement is, I could never pray for blank. Maybe there's someone in your mind that you feel like you can never pray for. A government official, uh, a person on the opposition, a person at work, a family member with whom you fundamentally disagree. The next one is, God can never forgive blank. And the third is, Jesus loves everyone, but probably not blank. And those names those faces, those people that may have auto-filled that that blank, pray for them because they should be prayed for. Know that they are already, already forgiven as we are. They just need to seek salvation. And know that they are already infinitely loved. Harsh words, anger, hatred, screaming, arguing, accomplish very little so remember what it says in James chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. Let every person be quick to listen. That one I need to hear constantly. Quick to listen. Slow to speak and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So when I encounter a person who opposes me, I need to think to myself, what am I going to say? Think before you speak. Is this loving? Is this helpful? Is this opening a door for the Holy Spirit? Secondly, I need to think before I post. It's very silly, but it's true. I can't tell you how many times I've posted something on Facebook or on Instagram or social media, which if it wasn't important for my job, I probably wouldn't have it. Um, and I need to think to the same things. Is this loving? Is it helpful? And is it opening a door for the Holy Spirit? Most importantly, I need to remember to be Jesus in the lives of people because I might be the only Jesus that somebody encounters. They know I'm a Christian. They know that the Savior, or that I have a Savior named Jesus. So when I walk outside and I get into an argument with someone who opposes me, when I show anger and hatred towards that person, then in their mind, my Jesus, my Savior, is the Savior of anger 
hatred, belittlement, frustration, and everything that we know Jesus to not be. Because Jesus knew the best way to change hearts was to love them first and let the Spirit of God do work, do the work of changing hearts because only He can. And never forget that we, me, you, are the woman at the well. Just as much as the people who oppose us. If you can hear me today, I just want to repeat what I said earlier before closing, and I'd like to invite the worship team back up. If you can hear me today, I want you to know that you are so deeply and truly loved by the Father who, for, who never forgets you, who will never leave you, and who chooses you each and every day. The one who created you and stands by you is waiting with open arms. He is desperately waiting for you, calling you, running after you. And again, you are not forgotten. You are not worthless. You are not too far gone. And you are not unwanted. You are loved by the Father who created you, valued by the one who sent his only son to die for you, and chosen by him who calls you into his body. Would you pray with me? Father God, we just come before you humbled by the example that you set for us. Lord, I know in my heart I feel convicted in the way that I interact with, with people. Lord, I would just pray with the deepest passion that I can that you would do a work in me and in the hearts of others who need it as well. That when we interact with those who oppose us, that we would not react out of our, our fleshly desire of, uh, to be angry, to yell, because our harsh words do nothing, Lord, and only your Holy Spirit can change hearts. You are a God of love and mercy and justice, and justice will be yours. And Father, I would just pray that, that we would be the vessels to bring your Spirit and your salvation to the people all around, into this mission field that we encounter every day, just like Jesus entering Samaria, Lord, I pray that we would love on the woman at the well because you loved on us first. Father, I would just pray for the hearts that you would uh, do a work in us this week until we can be together again. Father, we love you, we praise you, and we pray these things in your name. Amen.